This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, as we continue this sermon series, Christmas List, we'll be looking at uh, how the book of Matthew opens up the story of Jesus. And I'm going to do something that I don't think I've done, uh, definitely not here at Victory, and I don't think in my whole ministry, to read the whole genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. And as I do, um, I want you to, to notice there are four people that are mentioned here, and it's unique uh, to Matthew's genealogy. I don't know of anywhere else in the Bible, and there's lots of genealogies in the Bible that do this. In fact, um, the words are highlighted, the names are highlighted that, that are unique, and see if you can pick out what's unique about this genealogy. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, he's the first Hebrew back in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. And then God changed Jacob's name to Israel because he wrestled with God. Then Jacob or Israel was the father of Judah and his brothers. There were 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth during the time of the judges. Then you go on to the time of the kings. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. He was the second king in Israel, uh, the great King David. Uh, but then he didn't do something great at all, something really wicked. Uh, David was the father of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Because of all the wickedness in those kingdoms, the kingdom was torn in two, and now there's just a small tribe of Judah in the south, and these are the kings from the south. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. There was a long line of wickedness there, but Hezekiah really reformed the kingdom, brought people back to God's word and the gospel. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, another one of those reforming kind of kings, reformed the temple, got people back to worshiping the Lord. But then, um, and Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Because of all their wickedness, God allowed the big bad empire of Babylon to come in and take them off into exile for 70 years. And the, everything was really decimated, including Solomon's temple. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. So they came back from exile and Zerubbabel was the one who rebuilt Solomon's temple, the temple that Jesus would walk through. 
Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Eliud, Eliud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord found in the book of Matthew. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. As we read through these lists of names, these were were people that you worked in and worked through to bring about your Savior, Jesus Christ. And so help us to grasp and appreciate and to learn from this list and and let this list and the the people that you placed in there uh, touch our lives. Help us to leave here stronger Christians than the one that came. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Taylor Swift did it again. I don't know if you're a Taylor Swift fan, but she, um, all, t- all 10 of her songs in her latest album, Midnight's, were the top 10 songs in the Billboard's, Billboard's um, Hot 100 list, something that's never been done in its 64-year history. And her number one song, Antihero, has been, I think, number one for over six weeks on that top 10 and uh, top 100 billboard chart. She said that this was uh, her favorite song that she's ever written, uh, one that, that, that was really honest. And when you listen to the lyrics of this song, whether you're a, a Taylor Swift fan or not, it, it's kind of surprising. She's very vulnerable. One of the things that she says in there, she She feels like everybody else is beautiful and has it together. But when she looks at her own life, uh, she feels like a monster on a hill, too big and clumsy to fit in anywhere. In other words, this song really talks about how she doesn't feel like she fits in, like she doesn't feel like she belongs. That's pretty remarkable that, that Taylor Swift would be honest about not feeling like she belongs, even after being one of the most famous Singers who's, who, who've ever lived, one of the, the richest people, uh, one of the most talented people. And even after all that talent and, and success and notoriety and fame and beauty and all those things, she still feels like an outsider. She still doesn't feel like she belongs. Now, why do you think that song Antihero resonated with so many people? Well, I think the reason that stayed number one on the charts is because so many people don't feel like they belong. So many people feel like everybody else has got it together, everybody else fits in, but I'm an outsider. I'm that monster on the hill. I I don't have a place maybe in my family or in my community or in my, my job or maybe even in my church. I feel like an outsider. I feel like I don't belong. Now, today we're continuing our sermon series, Christmas List. And this whole sermon series is about those things that are on our Christmas list, those things that we long for and we want uh, that we can't get on Amazon. And I think when it comes to 
how we can order things and get them the next day. Uh, the material things that we used to have on our list, you know, we don't really want those or need those as much anymore uh, because we can get them immediately. And I think we come to realize that they actually don't satisfy. And so in this sermon series, we wanted to talk about the things that are deeper, things that we really long for, things that will satisfy us. And so last week, Pastor Bill, he talked about hope and how we, we have this hope that that's something that we, we want on our Christmas list, to have hope again, to not look out into the future with despair, but look out in the future with hope. And today what I'm going to be talking about is this desire for belonging, uh, this desire that, that, that we want to belong. And so I want to answer this question, how can we experience true belonging? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to that genealogy that I read. Um, if you stayed awake for it, that long list of names. Um, and, and, and there are quite a few of those genealogies in the scriptures. Uh, we have genealogies way back in Genesis chapter 5 on the first couple pages of the Bible. And then we hear them again in Numbers. The book of Numbers is filled with genealogies. And then there's genealogies, um, especially in the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles. There's all these lists and lists and lists of people because our faith is not just a set of principles. Our faith is all about the Savior, and God promised on the third page of the Bible that he was going to send someone from the line of Eve to crush the work of the devil, to bring us the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. So the whole Bible, really what the whole Bible is, it's not just a, a book of principles or rules. It's this, it's this history of a people and, and giving us clues, narrowing down who the Savior actually was going to be, that he was going to be uh, from the Hebrews and from the line of Judah and from the line of David and all these things, narrowing it down. And so we have all these lists of names. We see genealogies all over the Bible. But the genealogy that I read to you from Matthew chapter 1 is unique. Did you notice it? I had it highlighted up there. There are four names that we usually don't see in Hebrew genealogies. Usually the, the family line, the family line waiting for the Savior is passed on through the male. And so usually we only have male names in all these lists of genealogies. But when Matthew writes the genealogy of Jesus, he mentions four women. And five if you include Mary. But these four women are Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. And not only does Matthew mention four women, but these four women have stories that, that as we look through it, they don't seem like they would fit in the family of God. They don't seem to, to fit in, fit in with, with maybe um, the normal kind of story that we're expecting out of the Bible, out of Christianity. They, they seem that maybe they could be outsiders, like they wouldn't belong. And so not only um, do these stories, they really happen, but in many ways you could say these four women represent the four ways that we feel like we don't belong. Four ways that we can feel like outsiders. And so let's dive into these, the lives of these four women and, and see how they might represent our feeling of, of 
of being outsiders, feeling of lack of belonging. The first one is Tamar. Now we first hear about Tamar in Genesis chapter 38. As I mentioned, um, in the beginning of Genesis, we hear that God chose the Hebrews, Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then God uh, changed Jacob's name after wrestling with him to Israel. And then Israel had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. And those 12 sons, they rebelled against uh, Jacob's favorite son, Joseph. They sold him off into slavery. And most of the book of Genesis uh, follows that, that uh, story of Joseph. And yet in Genesis chapter 38, we hear about Judah. And Judah, he, he leaves his homeland, goes to the land of the, the Canaanites, and he, he, he intermarries with, with um, pagan people. And he finds a, a wife for his son Ur, the woman is Tamar. But because of Judah's son Ur's uh, wickedness, God brings judgment on Ur and Ur dies. Now in that culture at that time, because of the importance of carrying on the family line, especially looking forward to the Savior, um, if your brother died, it was your job, if you were the next brother in line, to marry his widow, to hold on to the family line. And so after Ur dies, Onan, Ur's brother, was to marry Tamar. But instead of marrying Tamar, he just used her for his own pleasure. And because of his wickedness, he also died. Now Judah, instead of taking care of Tamar and, and, and being there for her and welcoming her into the family, he rejects her. After losing two sons, he rejects Tamar. And Tamar is left all by herself, and actually has to go back to her father's household. She is rejected. And so Tamar represents all those people here who might feel like you don't belong because of rejection. Uh, maybe a, you feel like you were rejected from your, your mom and your dad. You didn't always feel fully accepted from them. Or maybe there's a peer group or, or other family members that you weren't accepted. Or maybe you feel like you didn't fit in, that you rejected because you didn't have the skills or the talents that the people around you needed, maybe for a sports team or for a job. Or maybe you had this dream that you'd be able to, to reach this height and, and to get this kind of success, but you failed. And so you feel rejected from all these different people. And so you feel like you don't belong. You feel like maybe you don't belong in your family. Maybe you don't belong in your community. Maybe you don't belong at your job because of this rejection. The next woman uh, that's mentioned in Matthew's genealogy is Rahab. Now, we first hear about Rahab in the book of Joshua. So after, after uh, Genesis... Uh, the Israelites, the, the family of Israel and his 12 sons, they go into Egypt and they're in Egypt for 400 years in slavery. And then God raises up Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery. He takes them through the wilderness. Moses dies in the wilderness. And now he gives his leadership over to Joshua. And Joshua's job is to lead the nation of Israel into the land of the Canaanites and to conquer the land of the Canaanites. And the reason God gave them that commission, one of the reasons, not only because he had promised the land to them, but also the Canaanites had been practicing horrible practices, sexual abuse practices, but also um, children's child sacrifice and these horrible things. And so God, in his divine justice and judgment, 
uh, told the Israelites to invade Canaan. Before they went in, they went in, uh, they sent spies to go in there, and they were welcomed by a woman named Rahab. Now, the reason they met Rahab because Rahab lived on the outskirts of the city, as far on the outskirts as you could you could get. In fact, she lived in the wall of the city because Rahab was a prostitute. She lived on the outskirts of the city. Now, I don't know all the backstory with Rahab, how she became a prostitute, but from what I know, nobody wants to become a prostitute. Usually what happens is um, somebody gets uh, addicted to some kind of drugs. Maybe intentionally someone makes someone get addicted to drugs. Uh, maybe a boyfriend um, pimps his girlfriend, getting her addicted to drugs. And then that person uh, is brought into prostitution. In fact, because it's usually not something they, they choose or want to get in, we don't even call it prostitution. We call it the sex traffic industry because they're trafficked. So whatever it was that Rahab um, did or however she got into this, um, Rahab still probably has this feeling of guilt. So Rahab represents all those people for whatever decision or whatever, whatever it was that led them into the life that you're in, that you feel this amount of guilt. That maybe you ruined someone else's life, you made a hard choice or an unwanted choice or whatever it was, and you wound up where you are today and you have this deep feeling of guilt. And because of this guilt, you feel like you don't belong. You don't belong maybe in your family or you feel like you don't belong in your community or in your job or even at church. I've heard people say, you know, Pastor, I could never come into your church uh, because if people knew the kind of things that I've done in my life, the, the, the ceiling the, the, would cave in on me. And so Rahab represents all those who feel like outsiders who don't belong because of guilt. The next woman mentioned in Matthew's genealogy is Ruth. Now, after the Israelites came into the, to the land of Canaan and took it over, they didn't really establish a a good system of rule. In fact, they had all these tribal leaders after the time of judges. The tribal leaders were called judges. And these leaders were, were really bad leaders. They, they fell into apostasy and idolatry and selfishness. And during that time, there was this great famine. And so a woman named Naomi, she left the, 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 the homeland, the land of Israel with all the, these corrupt leaders, and she went to the land of the Moabites. And while Naomi was in the land of the Moabites, she got wives for her two sons. And one of the wives was named Ruth. And we don't know all the backstory, but we hear about this in the book of Ruth, that for whatever reason, Naomi's husband died, and then her two sons died. And so now Ruth is a widow. And so Ruth doesn't have a husband. Uh, she married a foreigner. She married this Israelite. So she's probably uh, doesn't really have any close connections with her own people, the Moabites. And then if she would follow Naomi, what she would do, she doesn't know what that's going to be like in this new land of Canaan and where she's going to belong. And so Ruth represents all those people who feel like they don't belong because of grief. Maybe like Ruth, you've lost someone that you love a husband, a wife, a family member, a good friend. Um, you lost somebody and so you don't feel like you belong because those people you belonged to and belonged with are no longer here. And so you feel like you don't belong. 
Well, the next woman that, that's mentioned in the genealogy is Bathsheba. Actually, she's not mentioned by name. It says the wife of Uriah. And that's supposed to be a tip-off to remind you of the story of King David. Now, King David, in so much of his life, was this incredible godly leader. He wrote the book of Psalms. He conquered Goliath with his, with his faith and just a sling. He, he led the nation of Israel very well. He, he established Jerusalem as the capital and the future home of the temple. But in his great success, David became full of pride. He became lazy and bored, and he became isolated. And in his success and boredom and isolation, he took advantage of a woman. He, he stole Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and, and she had no ability to say no to him. She had no ability. And, and then David tried to cover up what he did, that abuse that he carried out by getting rid of Uriah. And so Bathsheba represents all those people who feel like they don't belong because of shame. Now, uh, guilt is different than shame. Guilt is, I did something wrong, and I need God to forgive me, and I want to make amends with people. Shame is this feeling, I am something wrong. And very often when you talk to victims of abuse, sexual abuse or physical abuse, they have this shame that how could a person treat me as a non-human? How could a person just use me with no regard to my own? And why didn't other people come to my rescue? And that's the kind of feeling that Bathsheba was going through. And so very often people who have been survivors and victims of abuse, they feel like they don't belong anywhere. Maybe they don't belong in their family or don't belong in their community or don't belong in their church. And so here in Matthew's genealogy, not only do we have four women, which is surprising, but these four women all have challenging stories. And these four women really represent the four ways that we might feel like outsiders, that we don't belong. Tamar, rejection, and Rahab, guilt, Ruth, grief, and Bathsheba, shame. My question is, what story resonates with your story? Do you feel like you don't belong because you were rejected by a mom or a dad or a relative or a friend or a peer group that you feel like you don't belong? Do you feel like you don't belong because of guilt? You did something and it changed the trajectory of your life and, and, and now your life is never going to be the way you thought it was going to be because of an act that you committed and so you feel like there's no way you belong anywhere? Or do you feel like because you lost that loved one, that person you deeply cared about, and they're not here, you feel like you're never going to belong with or among anybody else? Or finally, is there this just cloud of shame that's covering over you because of the abuse that you suffered, and you wonder if you're ever going to feel safe again, ever going to feel fully accepted by the people around you? Well, if that's how you feel... I want you to really let it sink in that our good Lord inspired Matthew to write the names of these women. 
that God was not embarrassed with these stories, that God did not want to forget these women, that God had not pushed these women aside, that God was not rejecting them, that God was not forgetting them, that God was not done with them, but that God was accepting them, loving them, welcoming them, making them a part of the story of Jesus. These are Jesus' descendants, and they were not going to be covered up. They were not going to be forgotten. They were going to be remembered and accepted and loved. In fact, it was because of their story, not in spite of their story, that God decided to further the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And then because of the finished work of Jesus, because of Christmas that we're about to celebrate, that through this family line, through these people like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, and even through Mary, that God was going to redeem the world that God was going to rescue the world and call these women his descendants. Not just his ancestors, but his descendants, his family of God adopted into his family. And that's the same message that God has for you. If God would name these women and put them in his list, in his family, he's doing the same for you in Jesus Christ. And it's not in spite of your story, but through your story that God wants to continue to further the kingdom of God. And so maybe you feel rejected, but I want you to know in Jesus Christ, you have been adopted and accepted. He knows you by name. He loves you. He accepts you in Jesus Christ. If you feel that that you're abandoned or outside of God's family because of guilt, because of the decisions that you've made, well, God made the decision to come into this world and die on the cross for your sins. That's why he came, for the forgiveness of sins. That's why he came, to pay for all of your sins and call you his own. If you feel like you don't belong because of grief, Jesus rose from the dead And so one day we look forward not to just floating with our family on the clouds or something, but a physical resurrection in a new, resurrected, renewed world where everything that's been lost is going to be made new and put back together again. And then finally, if you feel the shame of abuse, Jesus is on high. And he promises to come back again to judge the living and the dead, to right all that's been wronged, to bring all to justice, and to make everything right. And he sees you, and he loves you, and he accepts you. He's going to use you for the furthering of his kingdom. And so I think this helps us answer our opening question. How can we experience true belonging? Through faith, you are one of Jesus' spiritual descendants. You are brought into his family through baptism. You are accepted by him. And now you belong in the family of God. You might feel like you don't belong anywhere else right now. But I want you to know and I want you to believe that you belong in the family of God. When you become a Christian, it's not just your personal relationship with God. You are brought into the family of believers, the Christian church. 
But that's something that we can't just preach about. We actually have to experience. And that's what these women experience. When you read these stories, you actually find out that these women experienced a sense of belonging, a sense of redemption. Not just a message they heard, but something they experienced. And so Tamar, Tamar was called righteous by Judah. Judah had to confess his sins to her, and he called her righteous, a righteous woman, and accepted her into the family. In fact, yeah, her child became part of the line of the Savior. Rahab, she was no longer called Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab was then accepted into the family of believers and lived among the Israelites as one of their own, and she became part of the family of the Savior, uh, part of the line of the Savior. And Ruth, uh, Ruth, when she followed her her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Judah, to the land of Israel, Boaz, a kinsman of her family from Naomi, married her and he took care of her. And Ruth also became part of the family of Jesus. And then finally Bathsheba was accepted into the family and it was her son Solomon that became the wisest leader who ever lived and part of the kingdom line of the Savior. And so that's what we need to experience also as Christians. We can't just hear this message that we belong We have to experience it. And that's why if you are able, if you're in driving distance, come to worship in person. So you don't only hear about God's word, but you experience that community. Experience that community as you eat together in the Victory Cafe, as we sing together, and then today as we eat this important meal, communion, which means to belong, to be one with, to belong with God and the family of God because of his broken body, his blood that was poured out, but also to belong to each other as we join in our fellowship of faith. But I think we can take this, continue to take this even a step further. We're a pretty big congregation from lots of different places. And so we've started to have life groups here. We have eight life groups that gather. But wouldn't that be great if we could double that number? I know that those who participate in life groups, how many people uh, get to know each other and, and, and pray with each other and, and learn to lead on each, lean on each other. What if we went from eight life groups and in 2023 had 16? So that everybody who came in here was connected to at least two or three other people. So they felt like they belonged, not just heard that they belong. What I'm saying is that I think what what Matthew is trying to teach us as he writes this genealogy is let's become the family of God. Let's not just talk about the family of God, that people like like, uh, Ruth and Rahab and and all these, these women, Bathsheba and Tamar, not, not just talk about how they belong in God's family, but let's become the family of God. Let's show each other how they belong. Let's care for each other. Let's get to know each other's names. Let's learn each other's story. Let's build each other up when we need each other. Let's become the family of God. You see, we're all going to have times when we feel like we don't belong. Even if you make all the money in the world and your song is number one on the top billboard charts for six weeks in a row, you're Taylor Swift, even then you might not feel like you belong. All the money and riches 
and wealth in the world doesn't guarantee this sense of belonging. And that's because we live in a sinful world. And so each of us is going to be tempted to be selfish and cut off and isolated and ostracized for all different reasons. But in Jesus Christ, we have something that can unify us. We're forgiven, loved children of God waiting for our great resurrection. So let's not just talk about being a family of God. Let's become the family of God. Let's welcome one another in the name of Jesus Christ so we all know we belong. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for for your scriptures. Even these lists of names preach a message of your good news, of your acceptance, of your love, or your renewal, your transformation. Just like you transform the lives of, of Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, transform our lives. Help us to belong in the family of God, the family believers, and to welcome one another in your name. And when we do that, we will give you all the glory. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.